Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Good, isn't it? There was from something called the Bible Project, and if you've not seen it before, uh, remember it and have a look online. It'll really help you to be able to figure out more about what the Bible is is saying. Um, it, it just takes us right into Scripture and then explains things really well in a way that I find really helpful. So, my name's Anthony. I'd like to welcome you to that tonight to our Carols by Candlelight service. Are you enjoying it so far? Yes. Fantastic. Um, so, we're going to be Uh, looking at one verse of scripture of all of the readings that we've had we're going to focus in a moment on one of them but before we do that I just want to tell you about this we're going to look at this thing called knowing growing going which when you came in especially if you're new here don't be offended if somebody didn't recognize you and offered you a bag even if you feel like I'm a regular because I come every now and then that's fine everybody's welcome what we wanted to do is just offer you something that maybe you can take away and over Christmas you can look at it yourself and uh, so we've got these brown bags Tim's got one here and uh, is anybody kind of new and would like one of these who's not had one yet if so just stick up a hand because I want to make sure you've gone the lady there thank you very much anybody else so lady just put, keep your hand up anybody else not got one because we're just going to take one of these bags to you we've got some more bags around for people to be able to give to them Anybody else? I want to make sure you've got them. Brilliant. Okay. Now, in there, um, there's all kinds of wonderful treats, I'm sure. But the big, best treat of all is a little booklet I wrote, <laughs> what I wrote, called Knowing, Growing, Going. And it helps people to be able to, to figure out, well, how can we say that we know God? How can anybody say that? Isn't that just some arrogant statement, say that somebody knows God? Well, the only way that we could ever say that we know God is if he's knowable and if he wanted to make himself known to us. That it isn't about us trying to figure it out for ourselves out of observation of the universe and by our own uh, cleverness, but what if God himself came to show what he's like and who he actually is? And that's what Christians believe. So that's the first part is knowing. Next part of it, which you can look at, is growing. And that as we grow to know more about who God is, we find out who we are and we receive his love for ourselves. And as that love grows, uh, that helps us to be able to love ourselves and love the world and love God even better and it's just like this circle that keeps on going uh, which leads us to the third one which is going whereby we um, we go with this message and we want to share this message that's everything that we do here at Ivy Church is about trying to help people to, to just know to grow in the love of God to know the love of God to grow in the love of God and then we just want to keep on going with that message and and telling people you are loved with an everlasting love there's nothing that is separating you from the love of God uh, and that he wants you to come and to know that love for yourself not just at Christmas but always that's entirely what we're about and we'd love you to be able to do that and if you want to if you're not really much of a reader even though there are only small little uh, sections inside there you'll see you can click on it open it up and there's some small YouTube videos that you can watch that will explain it. So you don't even have to read it. It will be spoken to you. Uh, you could also do it with somebody else. You could say to somebody over Christmas, hey, why don't we do these things? They're like 10-minute studies that then you can go on further and spend a bit more time with. I'd really encourage you to, to do that and to go a little bit deeper. Because the Bible, yeah, it's all kinds of complicated things that we might get hung up upon. But what I want to do really tonight is to kind of make something that's so incredible and so deep and so profound, really quite simple for us to be able to grasp. 
But it's amazing how just one verse, one word spoken by an angel to those shepherds can have such meaning for us if we will really focus tonight and if we will uh, ask God, please help me to understand what it is that you're trying to say to me. You know, the, I'm no angel, but if the angel appeared to you and said these words, what would your response be? This is the passage we're going to look at from Luke chapter 2. Out of all of those readings, we had this line. And again, it's from the angel spoken to the shepherds. And this brings us to the heart of Christmas. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. That's a lot to take in. So I'm going to break down this verse one little bit at a time. We're going to go through, um, I'll just briefly summarise it, but then we'll focus on each one. We're going to look at the place of Christmas. We're going to look at the person of Christmas. And then we're going to look at the present of Christmas. And, uh, and it's really important for us to, to focus on these things because otherwise in the middle of everything else that's going on in the world right now and, and everything that's going on even more so at Christmas, we could miss Christmas. We could miss the reality. As Jenny said in that, um, in that poem, what, what, what's Christmas really without Jesus? So why is it that Christ came and why does it matter and why should it matter to you and to me? Maybe even more, I don't know about you, but in this world that seems at times to be getting darker and more confused and more hurting, those angels came with good news. Literally, gospel. That's what gospel means, good news. They came to preach the gospel. The angels were the first preachers, if you like, to be able to come and bring this message to those shepherds on the first Christmas. So first of all, they talked about the place, the place. The Bible writers mention something here that Jewish readers originally would just go, ah, Bethlehem. Once they heard that word, they would know you were talking about something they're talking about the Messiah. You're talking about one who's been promised throughout the whole of the Old Testament that, that the Messiah would come. So because they knew there was only one place that the Messiah could be born and it was there prophesied in Scripture hundreds of years before, the city of David. Now the city of David is not Jerusalem. The city of David is Bethlehem. And these prophecies specified specifically that's where it was to happen. And also, can I just say this? The fact that the place is named reminds us that this really happened in history, in a place that God came and when he came to earth, he actually came to a, a geography. He came to some people in a place. This isn't just saying, oh, well, God's with us in some special kind of wispy way at Christmas and we all kind of feel the love. Can you feel the love tonight? It's not in the Bible. You know, it, but actually, it's actually he came so we would know the love, and he came in a very specific place. He came to Bethlehem in fulfillment of a prophecy. So, this is not some myth, this is not just a fairy tale for children to make them feel nice. There's a central truth here about a birth that actually happened in a place called Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. And that's a lovely picture, isn't it? Because Jesus, when he grew up, he actually said, I'm the bread of life. And there he is wrapped up and put into this manger, the bread of life in the house of bread in Bethlehem. I've actually been to Bethlehem on a very short visit and I went and, uh, and, and saw it. And when I was there, it was packed out. There was loads of people there because now it's famous, of course. And under normal circumstances right now, it would be even you know, more full than it usually is in the approach to Christmas because right now Bethlehem is an Arab town under control of the Palestinian authority but there's no tourists obviously going there now 
Uh, there's 25,000 inhabitants and for them, they don't feel like they've got much to celebrate right now in that region and we want to continue to hold them all in our, in our prayers. There's a pastor called Phillips Brooks who went and visited there in 1865. And when he, when he got there, when he got home, he wrote this famous carol, which actually hasn't um, made our list for tonight, I'm afraid. I'm a bit fed up with it, to be honest with you, because I would have liked it one. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, not Beckenham. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. He wrote that because when he went in 1865, it was a little town. It was a little town up until fairly you know, recently in history. And 700 years before the angel came and spoke to those shepherds, there was a prophecy that was being made, specifically in the Old Testament, about Bethlehem, along with all kinds of other prophecies that were put in into about what had to happen for the Messiah when he came and his, where he was born and who he would live with and where he would go and how he would live and how he would die and that he would rise again. It's all prophesied there in the Old Testament. But Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says this, But you, Bethlehem, Epathra, which is the same word said in a different language, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are of old from ancient times. So there's this prophecy about an eternal king. It was going to come, an everlasting king, and he's going to be in the line of, of David, but he won't be David. Jesus was born, you see, at this place, at a specific time in fulfilment of these prophecies. And at the same time as, as God was working out his purpose, it seemed like powerful people, like we just saw in the video, were in charge of the world and not God. People like the Emperor Augustus, that actually wasn't his real name, that was a title that he took upon himself. It basically means, I'm wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, and, his, his, and he actually, uh, his, his real name was Octavius. And that emperor, when he conquered a new place. And he was, he was an incredibly brilliant man and he went and he, he conquered uh, and extended out the Roman Empire everywhere he went. And when he came to conquer a new land, he would send out a messenger, which another word for that would be angel in Hebrew. A messenger would come and announce that everybody should rejoice because now a saviour had come. The saviour of the world. His name is Caesar. And he is the saviour of the world. And now he's come to rule and he's come to reign. And these are the terms upon which he will reign over you. And everybody better rejoice. That's what was going on. And these angels, when they appeared, are announcing something very similar. They're announcing royalty has come and that his kingdom is coming. So in Matthew chapter 2, when the magi, the one we call the, the wise persons, came, they came to the... Uh, to, to Herod in Jerusalem because they're looking for a palace they're looking for a king and they said to him where is the one who is called the king of the Jews we've come so that we may worship him because they know he's the king he's the, he's the one that they should worship the Messiah has been born they've seen his sign they've seen the star and Herod gets all his theologians together and he asks them the question and they don't really even have to go away and look very far because they all know the answer because they just read it straight out from Micah chapter 5 and they say Bethlehem the only one place where the Messiah must be born, it has to be born in Bethlehem, six miles from here. And guess what? The Magi go, the wise people go, but the theologians don't go. Because knowing about something is not the same as doing something about what you know. And what you know about something doesn't make any difference. 
It's what you do about what you know that is going to make a difference. If it's going to make a difference at all. So they know about the place, but they stay in the same place. They, they heard the information, but this kind of knowing, when we're doing this knowing, growing, going, it's not about knowing in here, it's about do you know in here? Do you know in your heart who Jesus is? And is he, is he, is that, because that's the knowledge that makes a difference, that changes everything. So they knew the place because the, it was predicted and it was fulfilled. And the place was the place where a person came. Who was it that Mary had been carrying for nine months and then she came on that long journey we just saw and was born in Bethlehem? Again, the angel tells us this is the climax of the announcement of the good news of his birth. A saviour who is Christ the Lord. Now, interesting thing, well, it is for me anyway, in the Greek language in which this was originally put together, Luke doesn't use an article in here. He just, it just, so literally, it's an announcement, and it just says, Saviour, Christ, Lord. That's what it says. Guess who's been born for you? Saviour, Christ, Lord. Again, it's an announcement. Every word is vitally important for us to understand. Saviour is an Old Testament word, which basically means one who rescues people, especially God's people. Christ is the, is the, uh, the Greek version of the Hebrew word Messiah, which means the anointed one, God's anointed one. And Lord, Lord is a synonym for God. 6,000 times in the Old Testament the word Lord is used for God. So that's who Jesus is. Which one is Jesus? He's all three. Jesus is Saviour, Christ, Lord. Because we need all three. He's the only one qualified to save us. Save us from what? You might be thinking, you know, I don't really think I need saving. Thank you very much. I'm doing all right. I had a couple of bad years on and off, but things are, seem to be getting a little bit better. Or maybe you'd think, well, actually, I could do with him saving me from... My, my money worries, or I could do with him saving me from, I sometimes feel a little bit lost and meaningless. And, and yeah, all those things, maybe God will do that. But that isn't what he's come to save us from. The Bible says, when, when he gave him the name Jesus, they were both told, Mary and Joseph were both told, you've got to call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And that's the problem that we can never save ourselves from. Every one of us, you, me included, we've all sinned. We can say it doesn't matter, but it matters to God. It matters so much that he sent his son to die for your sins and my sins. That's how much it counts. Now you could say, well, I think God should just forgive me. He will, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. But not if you put your trust in yourself. Not if you just stand before a holy God and say, you know what, I think I'm good enough. What he's going to call that? Pride, which is a sin. We need a saviour, and we can't save ourselves. So God sent his son from heaven to earth, from eternity into time, to Bethlehem, to a place, the person. Who is the person? He is God. He was born of the Virgin Mary, which shows that he was human. But... He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, which shows that he was God. He is fully human and fully God. Nobody else ever was. No, no prophet, no powerful figure, no politician, no great philosopher. None of them ever didn't sin. But he is the pure and spotless, holy son of God. And he came to earth to save us 
from our sins. His name means God to the rescue. That's who he is and that's what he does. There's a famous theologian, Saint Irenaeus, many years ago who wrote this. He became as we are so that we could become as he is. That's the reason for Christmas. God has done everything 2,000 years ago that is necessary for anybody to be saved from his perspective. But there's something for me to do as well. It isn't just applied automatically at birth. I have to come and say, well, there's something that I need to do about this. In the same way as the theologians knew and heard about who the Christ was, and they'd heard about that, now so have you. What do you do with the information? Some people stay where they are, and they, we can just, I mean, I know exactly what this is like. I did it myself for many years. Christmas came and Christmas went, and I knew some kind of things roughly about Jesus, but I never made any response to this message myself that was personal. And it is personal because he is a person. This isn't about a religion. It's about a relationship with a person. And it's a bit like opening a present. Because God gave the greatest gift when he sent his only son into the world. Who to? Who for? Well, the angel said, for unto you, unto you is born this day in the city of David, Saviour, Christ, Lord, unto you, because you needed it, because you needed Christ the Messiah, the, the Lord of all, to be your saviour. And so did I. It's personal. And we have a personal response. You have the dignity of rejecting it. You can go through the whole of your life and say, don't want to know. Thank you very much. I'll just come at Christmas, and again, you're very welcome just to come to the service, but there's a verse in the Bible that says, my job is to do this. It says, as an ambassador for Christ, it says, my job is to, is to plead with you, effectively. Be reconciled to God. Come back to his love. Ask him to forgive your sins, and he will. He wants you to know his love. He's engineered all kinds of things in your life up until this point so that you could hear this message, and then you can respond to it. And you can say, yeah, I do want to know you. I do want to grow in that love. And I do want to go out of here, not the same as I was before. But I want to go and make a difference for you and follow your plan for my life, not just my own plan. The first people who heard that from the mouth of the angel were these shepherds. Ordinary types of people, not religious scholars. Very ordinary people, uneducated. Very much at the bottom of the social ladder in their time. But they're the people who God sent the message to first. They were the first to hear the good news of Christmas and they were humble enough to say, yeah, let's go, let's go and see for ourselves. They got going. They didn't just sit there anymore. They went to go and see. And then when it says when they saw Jesus, when they connected to Jesus, then they worshipped him. They gave him whatever they had. The most important thing, which was themselves, back to him. Every person here tonight, may have done it before, Maybe you've drifted off a bit. Maybe there was a time when you knew these things. Maybe you've never ever said at Christmas, yeah, I want to I know this love for myself. I want to know that you're with me. God with me means Emmanuel. He's a real person. He wants a relationship with you. Jesus comes to you as Saviour, Messiah and Lord. 
to you and for you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour. Unto you, for you. He came for you. He came for me. It's incredibly personal, the invitation. It's not just some abstract thing. Oh, Jesus came to the world for everybody. He comes to you. And he offers his love and his salvation and his grace and his peace because he's the Prince of Peace to you and to me. He came to you. He came to save us from our sins and he came to save us for himself forever. Christmas is going to be here pretty soon. Hopefully you've got some of the things in that you're going to celebrate together with others, however you're going to celebrate it. Families are starting to to make the plans for how they're going to gather and what food we're going to have and what's going to be on the table. We're going to gather around the tree, however you do it, before you eat or after you eat or whenever. But there's presents there to be opened. And you know where I'm going with this because imagine if there was a present that had your name on it and it's been there year after year. Maybe it's been there throughout the whole of your life every year and it's the love of God in Christ Jesus and it's personal and it's for you. Imagine if every year there was that most important, most precious, most special present. For whatever reason, you kept saying, nah, I don't need that. I don't need God's wisdom. I'll make do with my own. I don't need God's love. I'll try and get it from other people. I don't need God's power in my life. I think I'm pretty good. Doing all right myself. Really? I, some years ago, best decision I ever made, I just decided, I need a saviour. And there's only one who can do it. And his name is Jesus Christ. And the best thing you can do this Christmas is just open the present. It's got your name on it. For unto you is born this day Jesus, Saviour, Christ, Lord. Let's pray. 2,000 years ago, in a place called Bethlehem, God came to show his love for you. He came in person. He didn't just write his message up in the sky somewhere, although he sent us signs of his love every day. What are you going to do with this present? It's simple. I'm going to pray a prayer that says, sorry, thank you, please. I'm sorry, Lord, for the times when I've just lived life as if it doesn't really matter, as if I've ignored this message. I'm sorry for the times when I've acted as if I could be qualified to be God. And if I was God, everything would be all right. I'm sorry for that. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you sent your son into this world as my saviour, as my Lord, and as my friend forever. I ask you that you'd forgive me of my sins, though they are many. And that you would wash me clean. And help me now to live life for you. Thank you that you love me so much that you came, Jesus, into this world to save me so that I would know your love forever and have a reason to celebrate every day, not just at Christmas, but every day of my life. And I'm praying for anybody who prays this prayer that from now on you're going to know that you'll never have a, a day when you don't know the love and the peace and the joy of the shepherds 
because of the presence and the power and the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, if you want to look further into that, I just encourage you to get one of those booklets. And over Christmas, why don't you check it out for yourself among all the other things that you're doing. That's our little Christmas present from you. Thank you. Thank you.